He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to week 105 of a Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. I'm James Richardson. As always, I'm joined by Barry O'Hanrahan. Hey, Barry. Hey, James. Have you uh, settled down after the weekend's golf? Uh, yes and no. Well, we'll get I mean, to that in a minute. A few things to say, I guess, the two of us have. Uh, the Twitter handle is at podcastgts, at podcast. GTS and the email is a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. Thanks a million for all your feedback over the last week. And uh, I think that this week's show is going to be great looking back at the Masters. And I don't think anybody would have called Danny Willett as the eventual Master winner, but we'll get to all the good, the bad, and the ugly that was uh, the Masters 2016 shortly. But let's talk about the uh, our own little Masters tournament over the weekend, Barry and. Uh, we had this was the, the real tournament of the weekend. It really was. Our Saturday competition was the first April medal. And uh, I think we had pretty much every season of weather in the space of four hours. Can I also, before we get into the the round itself, it was a very long round. Like, it just dragged and dragged because of the people who were in front of us who took an absolute age. They'd lost two holes. I got to two holes by the by the time we were we were standing in the middle of the fairway on the sixth, and the other guys were the group in front of them were teeing off on the eighth. Like it was just outrageous how slow it was, and they didn't seem in any way interested in calling us through. Say you know they didn't even try to speed up. Uh, they sauntered around, and even after. Uh, the guy that we were playing with kind of said something to the group in front. Oh, they did still he? didn't move. Their I didn't backside. notice that. Um, so yeah, it was a very long. I know it was strokes competition, but even still, it was a what seemed like a very long round. Mm. However, um, there was a bit of everything in it for us, wasn't there? I started so well. I got. I got. Like I got to say, I was so happy with it. I mean, I got the pressure of having a bogey, a double bogey, and a triple bogey off my shoulders in the first hole. Having a triple to start, it was great. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was. It was. Um, well, good. you hit an all right tee shot. Tee shot went was over the the green on the wrong side. Good strike, it was actually wrong fine. Side. Uh, yeah. And then you kind of duffed, and then the yeah. putt, and then a couple more putts, and a couple more putts after that. My bogey putt was a good putt. Got uh, our greens were hollow court a couple of weeks ago, so I'm claiming it got deflected offline. I actually felt like I hit a good putt. So look, and and that's why I went to the second hole not too pissed off. Made a couple of pars. Joe freaked me out. It was the wet. The air was really cold, but the sun was actually quite warm. Like radiation wise, you could feel the heat on your skin, but the air temperature was really cold. Um, on the third hole, hitting from the fairway, I had one four seven front. My eight irons usually would be usually my default club for that distance. But I said, you know what? I'll take a seven iron today. It feels a little cold. I hit it really good, and I came up about six or seven yards short of the green, and I was freaked out. I mean, that ball. On a normal day, that would be middle of the green distance. And it completely freaked me out, but it helped me make better club selections for the, the next hour and a bit until it actually did warm up a little bit. Uh, and then we got hail. That was good. Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> it was a bit of everything. I suppose, actually, the bit that I'm going to talk about 
with respect to my own game was that uh, I actually put the Callaway uh, Chrome Soft Tom Watson golf ball into play on Saturday. So for people who might not have seen it over the weekend, so Tom Watson is currently playing the Callaway Chrome Soft, which is the equivalent of a Titleist Pro V1 slash Pro V1X. It's slightly more to the Pro V1 than the, the X. Uh, it's very soft. It, it nearly feels like a Balata type ball, if people kind of know that. It's kind of a very soft... Uh, uh, squishy cover yeah but With the real thing is that um, it has like these red patches on it that makes it look like a, an old school soccer ball um, and the idea behind it for people who haven't seen it is that it's meant to make the golf ball to your eye look bigger it's called TrueViz isn't it TrueViz is the name of the company that has the patent technology yeah. that, that puts the design on but it's uh, the Callaway Chrome Soft the, the, the different colour of the kind of the hexagons or the pentagons on the ball breaks up the the spectrum of light going to your eyes and because of that the ball actually does appear a little bit bigger and it's kind of weird you don't you don't expect it to look bigger but put it beside a regular white ball it does have a tiny it just it looks a tiny bit bigger it doesn't yeah it like the interesting thing after about Probably two holes. I had completely forgotten about it, if that makes mm. sense. I wasn't looking at the ball going, <laughs> this is looks really funny. You just got on. Now, I don't know if it was something that you kind of hit with a bit more conviction because of it or not. Um, I played actually quite well until I kind of gave up on the mentally on the 16th. But, Which is kind of foolish um, because you're on a hole, right? You're on a pretty much a level par score at that stage. Yeah, well, we won't go too far into that. But I, I, I think that it's worth people out there actually probably trying to find a sleeve of them in your local pro shop uh, just to have a go at them just to see especially perhaps if you're not striking the ball as well at the moment or you want to kind of get a bit of confidence back it might be the kind of go-to ball that you might try uh, it certainly was talked about on the course um, a couple of people had seen it mm. and were asking me uh, one woman who decided that she really wanted it uh, said I nearly took it uh, from the fairway that now I, I was uh, admittedly I was on the wrong fairway <laughs> but uh, she wanted to steal it on me still fairway I, and I regulation her, uh, I, I, I suggested that perhaps she didn't do that <laughs> it would be quite helpful but uh, no it's it's interesting look at them Callaway uh, Callaway uh, Chrome Soft the, the normal regular Chrome Soft ball is used by Phil Mickelson mm-hmm. who swears by them so um they are a premium golf ball. They're not. Yeah, you're not just at, buying a gimmick, you know, a substandard product with a gimmick attached to it. You're buying so they, top level yeah, stuff. So they, it's a top of the range golf ball. It is got this extra bit. It's worth. I'm going to use them for a few more rounds and have a have a, just have a go with them and see what they're like. I have a I have a dozen of. Well, sorry, I used to have a dozen of them. <laughs> I lost one into the water on 18, and I put one out of bounds on, on 15. Uh, on 15, we both so did that. I, I'm, I'm now down to 11. So once they're gone, they're gone. I'll move back. But um, but anyway, if people have used them, if they have any opinions on the uh, the Callaway Chromesoft uh, TrueViz ball, let us know at Podcast GTS. Do you know what was good about the weekend though? There's even though we did didn't get end up with great net scores. I was seventy nine, you were eighty, I think it was. We it was just there were lots of good signs and good shots. Like I was really happy with my driving for the most part. I hit a lot of very good drives uh, that, that I was happy with. Sorry, they might not be very good in, in the grand scheme of golf, but. I was very happy with an up a level from where I was. Uh, overall, I thought there were good signs in both of our games. Like you were hitting yeah. it a lot better than you have been. So. Oh no! Like I, I, uh, I played pretty much most of the round all right. Uh, I actually, when I didn't, I got unlucky on occasions where I kind of had laid up on a par five 
hit the wedge and ended up hitting the downslope and went, ran up the back. Things like that happened all day, but I, I think if I work it out 8-12, I was 28 shots for the last four holes, you know, and that was, was like I went 8-4, eight, 7-7, eight, seven, seven, and I think I just kind of didn't give a shit by the time. I had, I had gone par, par. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I put it out of bank and then I was so angry with myself I was like the last thing I said don't do what you've just gone and done um, but, uh, and, that's, that's... and that's the bit that I, I will work on because I know if I hadn't done that even if I had just accepted the 7 or 8 on yeah. that hole and then just tried to par my way in it would have been fine I would have got I think I would have jump, jumped from I think we were roughly kind of both towards the top end of the bottom third of the the competition. Yeah, well, you could like, uh, if you parked the have, last three, then you would have had a set in S seventy three, which would have been in the top third. Yeah, easily, uh, kind of halfway up the top third. Yeah, um, so, so I, I was loose on fifteen as well. I mean, the, anyway, do you know what's great about it? And we're going to move on from yeah. here. What's great is it's the first strokes competition. We're back in handicap mode. The season has now started, and we've all learned a lesson this week from it that we can put in the game for next week and the week after. So don't be an idiot. Exactly. Oh no, that's what I was going to say to you. The, the mental framing of your approach to tee shot, instead of saying, don't do this, you got to just switch it to saying, do do something like, because if you've got the don't in your head, it's just sitting there. It's the only thing that's going to be in your head. Whereas if you're saying, I will hit it in this direction, you're not actually paying attention to the fact of the thing you don't want to do. I hit it where I was, aiming it I just didn't put the draw on it and I cut across it and it went out of bounds uh, that was the bit that I didn't do yeah uh, the, reverse, the reverse double cross <laughs> so look it is what it is but you live you learn the person who won was with the 62 so at that stage there was also an element I was never going to win the competition yeah. um, and I had a fairly good idea about that before we hit the back nine anyway um, let's have a look back and we should suppose we'll just mention that the titleist competition barry the prizes for the winners are going to go out we'll be going out in the post tomorrow morning tomorrow morning that sounds like a good thing the fantasy golf now just remind me is this this is the european tour fantasy golf this is on the european tour website, website. yeah um, and I went on to that. That's one that, for some strange reason, I put in a team, and it's now called This Is Not Barry O'Hanrahan, because it, my login, yeah. with my email address, my password, which you don't know my password, no. because and all of that comes up as Barry O'Hanrahan. I cannot find how to get rid of it. I don't know how or why it's come up. So anybody who is in that, the one that's far further ahead of the actual Barry O'Hanrahan is me way ahead <laughs> not you uh, but we will try and get to it how do people get involved in that competition uh, I have a couple of tweets on our timeline with the link um, I'll fire it up again as well I think you should be able to search for it in a good talks uh, as it's a, the league's called a good talk spoiled golf podcast so uh, you might be able to search for it like that but uh, have a look at our timeline and I'll, I'll fire another tweet out with the password to, or the uh, code for the league so so Let's look at some of the news that, um, well, actually, I suppose the only real piece of news before we move on to looking at the Masters. The Irish Open has now been decided that it won't be in Loch Earn in 2017, as originally planned. And um, Barry, I suppose, just briefly outline for the listeners why the European Tour slash Irish Open is now not going to take place in the Loch Earn uh, account. Thanks, thanks for that. I, well, I, I know the answer. I can give the answer if you want. Is it because of the new consortium in place? Uh, so basically, yeah. So it's now turned around that it's changed hands a couple of times and the quality of the course is taking a bit of a hit because of it. 
So there now there was a get out clause. Mm. Um, I think also there was personal guarantees given by the previous consortium about if they can't or whatever host it, there was going to be money paid over. There was a bailout time on that. They've implemented it. So they're now saying the new consortium doesn't want to put the money up for the event. It's now out the window and they're now looking at it again. It looks, however, this year, which takes place on the 19th to the 22nd of May in the K Club, it looks like the following year it's going to revert back to a Lynx course, Mm -hmm. which probably makes sense as well because we're getting very close to the Open Championship going to Northern Ireland. So a lot of that kind of stuff building up. I think Port Stewart has been named um, as one possible location. But I think as as a... For the Irish Open, I think it should be three of every four years that the Irish Open's hosted should be on the Lynx golf course. It's just it's so we're so synonymous with that style of golf course. And look, that's not to say we don't have fantastic world class parkland tracks and other style of golf courses, but it's 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 all part of what last year was amazing for Lynx golf in the European Tour. Really, really impressive. There was just a host of you know Lynx great Lynx courses after great Lynx courses, and we were one of them. So and I think that's great to get involved in that kind of it's almost a link swing on the European tour. And I think it's really good to embrace that and be part of that. And you know, pros looking to target the the open championship will be more enticed to come to play a Lynx golf course if it's on a Lynx golf course here in Ireland. So oh, K Club, great great club, great course, you know, great history. So I think everybody will know it from from the Ryder Cup and a number of tournaments ago. There? there was a Ryder Cup there, Barry, yeah. Um yeah, there's there's a lot um, of courses that are there to to be chosen. I, I'd like to see it go to perhaps a course that hasn't already hosted a, a big event because there is so much variety. You know, there's talk about uh, Royal County Louth and Baltre, which is where Shane Lowry famously won as an amateur. That it might go back there. I just would like to Euro- see the European on a yeah, windy day. Yeah, like that's like there is a lot of really good quality courses, um, but it's it's open for grabs. Um, we'll wait and see what happens but uh, I suppose this, this year's event is very firmly at the K Club and is going to take place in a couple of weeks time talking about all things local Darren Clark today was actually up in Port Stewart I think it was and he was starting the tour of the Ryder Cup trophy and kind of the official launch of kind of team Ryder Cup and was doing a bit of photo and press and all the rest. So um, talking a lot about the fact that on the leaderboard this week was so many European players um, at the Masters and showing that there's very much a strong British contingent, which he was going on about. Um, so he's about to do his uh, big tour, and I think he's going to be playing a lot over the next number of weeks in the European tour to try and get used to some of the younger lads that might come through and see what they're like. The game golf competition, Barry, tell our listeners how to win a fabulous prize, which is the Darren... Uh, the Darren Clark. The Darren Clark. McDowell. It's a Darren Clark cutout, a six-foot cardboard cutout of Darren Clark. So the Graham it's McDowell. Actually, it's actually James Richardson. I'm not six foot. No. Um, <laughs> it's, so it's not lifestyle. Uh, <laughs> Graham McDowell signed game golf uh, system. So... A couple of weeks ago on week 103, we had John McGuire, CEO of Game Golf, on the show. And uh, John was great enough to give us, uh, well, cool enough to give us plenty of his time and a great interview, really insightful interview. But they've also organized a really cool prize. So 
they have put up a Game Golf Live system. So this is their newest and top end, high end system. And that is signed autographed by Graham McDowell. And they've also got a Game Golf shirt or autographed by Graham McDowell. So what we did was we worked with them to set up a challenge. The challenge is on the Game Golf uh, network, obviously. So if you go to gamegolf.com and search for the challenge, it's called A Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. Join the challenge. There's a good few people joined already and a few scores have been posted also. So you need to... You don't need to be a current user of Game Golf. You can be a brand new user. You can be a current user. You need to join the challenge and upload around to it. And then you need to send a tweet. Uh, so what we're saying, you take a screenshot of your round and tweet a picture of it to include at podcast GTS, at Game Golf, and hashtag golf in your tweet. So we have details of that, how to do that, instructions on the the competition page or the challenge page on GameGolf.com. So, any questions on it, give us a tweet, we'll get back to you. Um, but get to gamegolf.com, join the challenge, send the tweet. And Perfect. one of the people who've entered will win the system and the shirt. It'll be, it'll be a draw from all the entrants, so it's not about winning the competition, it's getting involved. So, you have to participate to be in with a chance to win rather than. Exactly. So, look, um, let's look back at the Masters 2016. And. I suppose after four days of, of exhilarating golf and only six players breaking par, Danny Willett is the 2016 major champion. And I suppose to put that in context, he is one of very few players who only on their second time at this competition has gone on to win it. So Danny Willett won at minus five, uh, tied second, Westwood and Jordan Spieth at minus two. Paul Casey, J.B. Holmes and Dustin Johnson at minus one, all of which were the only players to break par for the four days. Uh, Andrew Fitzpatrick, Kelson, Matsuyama. Matt Fitzpatrick. What did I call him? Andrew. Oh, sorry. I know there's a friend of mine called Andrew. I just, there we go. <laughs> they are. Uh, Justin Rose and, and Berger, McElroy and Sh- uh, Schnedeker and Jason Day finished out the top ten, um, <clears throat> ranging from uh, level to, to plus one. Let's start, Barry, first. And I think we have to, and it's only fair to Danny Willett, to start with him rather than Jordan Spieth. Minus five on the last day. Um, Zero bogeys. Zero bogeys. Tidy. Confident. Played with a smile. Enjoyed the challenge. Clutch as well. um, And made the move when he needed to make the move. Is over the four days, and I think that at any major, somebody who wins the major has put four solid rounds together to be able to do it. But it's hard to say that on the last day and the final round, five under, that that's really the bit that he deserves it for. Nobody was coming close. I don't think, in fact, anyone beat uh, Paul Casey and Fitzpatrick got minus five that day. So it was the joint best round of the day. And it was a superb final round. Danny Willett, was it as good and will it be remembered for what he did on the last day or is it going to be remembered for Jordan Spieth and the seven and 12? Mm. It it will probably be more of a Spieth 
ratio to Willett. You know, more will be spoken about Speed's failure than Willett's win, but they can't ignore what he did as well. So he will be spoken about in terms of what he did on the final day, how well he played. He was seriously clutch, like really good squeeze cut tee shot on 17, really good tee shot on 18 when he was disturbed multiple times before hitting it. Hit a great approach shot in. Completely lagged the putt. I mean, he knew he just wanted two putts there. There was no way he was going for that. That's what he needed was two putts. Really, he probably knew that in the back of his mind that five under was a serious total. Um, the chip shot on seventeen was phenomenal. Like under the highest pressure, he he performed and executed really good shots. Like the tee shot on sixteen, he knew what ha- what had happened. Speed on twelve before he hit that tee shot, so he was able to stand up there and just put one into six foot. It was a really impressive execution of golf shots under the highest pressure. And if you look at what we discussed with Steve Bamford last week, and we were looking at how you're going to win, what was the attribute you were going to win? And to be fair, we went through most players last week. We didn't talk at any great length about Danny Willett. But the one attribute we all were in agreement with was keeping big scores off your card. And to put it in perspective... Round one was a very tough round for a lot of players. And I think you probably only have to ask Ricky Fowler or Ernie Els or a few of those guys Mm. how tough the first round was. He was two under. The second round equally as tough. He ends up with a 74, two over. 72, 67 at the weekend. The fact that he went for the four days with nothing worse than a bogey on any hole just shows quite the level of consistency he had. And I think that's where the attribute what we were talking about last week, keeping the doubles and the disasters off the card. The disaster avoidance statistic, even though it doesn't exist, it it ought to, because that's exactly what he did. He fulfilled it. And there was bits where he, you know, to to talk, say, I suppose, if we look at, say, the back nine on the Saturday for a moment, and he birdies twelve. Bogey's 13, Birdie's 14, and Bogey's 15. Now, the bounce-back ability or the ability to then say, okay, made the mistakes, but I'm getting, you know, because you'd probably be expecting to birdie the par fives, and it's been flipped, but at least it was done. Where a round might have got away from other players, Danny Willett kept it together, mm. kept him in, the, uh, in with the shout, and gave him the ability to, to post the 67 on, on Sunday. Was it of a benefit for him going in on Sunday that a lot of people weren't actually talking about him? We were talking about Bernard Langer, Jordan Spieth, and a couple of others. But Danny Willow wasn't necessarily a player that was being talked about on Sunday morning as yeah, I mean, to be a champion. Were, people were still talking about Day and Rory, even though they were several shots back. Will it was several shots back as well, but they're more high profile than he is. So of course you're going to be talking about these guys and what they could possibly do. It, it, maybe it does help to have the limelight off you a little bit. I mean Matsuyama, they're all the guys the commentators are always saying he feels an awful lot of pressure because he's like the number it's one like Japanese. The weight of the nation. I know, and I don't quite believe that. Too, but then again, we don't understand their culture, so you know I don't understand Japanese culture. So maybe that he does feel that a weight of a lot of you know nation on his shoulders when he's playing. He was Matsuyama was a little bit unlucky uh, early on when a couple of his chip shots didn't come back down slopes that we'd normally expect to see come back down slopes. It just hung up there and left him quite tough putts. And it's 
when you get off to a difficult start on a difficult golf course, it, you know, it's hard to build momentum and you want easy tap-ins or good chances for birdies early on. Momentum is such a huge thing and starting around on the back foot is uh, it's tough to recover from that. And I I think the the one thing about Danny Willett, this was a um, not quite a free tournament insofar as there had been a lot previously of will he make it? Mm. Will he not? His wife was due to give birth to their first child um, at some point in this kind of period of time. Um, he wasn't even sure he was going to tee it up until his child was born 12 days premature, um, which freed him up to come over and play it. And perhaps a lot of the conversation post-Sunday has been him talking about that, you know, it's still this winning is kind of secondary to what happened 12 days mm. ago, that maybe that, to a certain extent, put a lot of things in perspective for him, where such a huge event happened 12 days ago for him. He goes to a tournament, he's walking on cloud nine, he's got, you know, whatever happens over he, those four days, it doesn't matter, because in his opinion, the best thing happened 12 days before it. Yeah, he's and relaxed. he's able to play relaxed. And, and where he made a mistake, he was able to go, ah, it's fine, we move on. And... I, I, I was impressed with a lot of what Danny Willett did. Um, I, do, you know, do you know what they call this on uh, the golf betting system Facebook page? They call it the Nappy Factor. They have they actually have a document in the document section of golfers who have recently had a baby come into their lives and they track it versus how soon they win afterwards. It's not quite scientific, but it is. it happens with quite a regular enough occurrence that within X period of a baby coming along into a golfer's life, especially a firstborn, guys have a tendency to get a win in. And uh, there's like, you know, the nappy factor. And I think I think that is a factor in this this instance mm-hmm. with Danny Will because he was free free rolling it. You know, if he, uh, if he did well and won it, brilliant. If he didn't, it doesn't matter. He's going home to a newborn baby. He doesn't care. Mm-hmm. So a bit like, you know, and you said this to me last year... In the first round of the captains, I knew I wasn't playing round two, so everybody else is really worried about not making a mistake mistake because they have the round two the following week. I knew I wasn't playing, so I didn't care. I was mm. I was free roll. I just enjoyed the event and I ended up, you know, winning that day with a sixty five. But that's the thing about Danny Willett. Do you think this? Sorry, before I move on to asking the question of of where does Danny Willett's career go? Oh, don't I, do that. But come here. The pressure it does like at once at some stage in that round, the final round, it's go, he's going to go from a transfer of not feeling much pressure to holy shit, I've got a chance to win the Masters. So the pressure does come on and does get applied because you can't play the entire tournament with that careless, that carefree, reckless abandon that that maybe you would well, have. He certainly looked like he was. Well, you know, I there was an the, awful lot of yes. smiling, laughing, joking, a lot of you know. They didn't seem to be and a duck lot on of... the surface of water. To be honest, like there's no way that guy is not feeling incredible nerves. His heart is pumping like crazy. That has to be like. But I think I think that happens to probably most of the players outside the top ten, standing on the first tee on the first day. You know, that in it's... Augusta, God, yeah, it has so to. So like I, but the 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 bit that I didn't like, I'm gonna. So the bit I didn't like mm. is off the course, at the moment, and I blame Augusta for this not him, I don't think it's appropriate nor beneficial for the public to have the camera in the clubhouse, in his face. Mm-hmm. Jordan Spieth was still out on the course. He still had a chance at that stage. It's not fair 
to Danny Willett because I think it gives a false impression of him that it looked like he was, you know, he's obviously excited. He's keeping his fingers crossed. He thinks he's posted a really good score. Yeah. So who knows what? But he's, he's leading across. the adrenaline's pumping. Yeah. He might do something a bit kind of out of character because there's so much adrenaline rushing through and, the system. And, and the system's picking up some words. It's not picking yeah. up all things. You know, he's talking to his wife on on FaceTime. He's trying to and, charge you know, his phone. All, like it's all just messy. Yeah. And I just would like if the people of Augusta National are listening. There's two things that I want them to do next year. One, leave them be until they win the tournament. Don't. Or have the camera in there, but don't go live. You know, don't have it going live out to the public. I think it's not appropriate. I don't like the cameras in there at all. Um, I think if they're doing it because they want to have it on the official film down the line, that's Mm. fine. That's different. But when it's live, when it's going out, I think they should just leave and be. Or kill the sound, you know. Do anything. Just It just seemed to me really uncouth. It just didn't sit well with me. The second that's is, not, and that's not the Augusta style of doing things, you know. It, it's it was just, a bit crass. It's, it was, <laughs> and it seemed it just so out of character for what we expect and see from Augusta, which is always such a, a polished, refined, almost hard to access product, you know. And parts of Augusta, we always want to get to further information and more information and more access. And they because they don't give out that stuff. It makes you want it even more, but you almost you respect them for because they're like these are the rules, these are how you play ball with us, and so be it. But to get the cameras in there was just it was like they got had some new director of the show this year, and he's like, "No, oh, this is my idea. Let's do this." It just felt so strange. I, I think it's their attempt to try and give you the behind the scenes look of what's yeah, going on. Yeah. I didn't like it. No. Shouldn't happen. They need to remove it. The second thing is. Uh, while I'm just talking about the mm-hmm. bits I didn't like because I'm going to talk about Jordan Speed now and we'll probably just spend the next kind of two hours doing that. But they, they, they had all the 4K this and they had the virtual reality that and they had all of that technology. Do you know what? Throw the whole lot of it away. Just put Pro Tracer on every tee shot, on every hole for the four days and that's all the technology I want. Mm-hmm. And let the people who are deciding on Sky or on, you know, whatever the broadcasters over in the US are, whatever one, if they want to use it with Pro Tracer, let them use it if they don't. But I saw it about probably five times, and I'm pretty sure I watched every shot of the Masters this year. Yeah. Um, other than seeing DeChambeau's one going in on 18, you know, twice, a few of, I think Daddy Willits had a couple, and, and there was a few around kind of 13. But other than that, there was next to nothing. And yet we have them following Danny Willard into the clubhouse. Do the do yeah. the good things brilliant yeah. and not the other bits. The, 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 there's an argument that on greens as slopey as Augusta's they need pro tracer for putts just to show where it's gone and where it's you know, where it's come from and what line it's taken. The one thing that I did like, and I, I can't remember this in previous years, and it was actually commented, I think, by Paul McGinley or one of the Sky commentators the handheld cameras getting that close to the green Mm -hmm. was superb because you could see the sheer undulations which I'm not sure I fully appreciated to that level in previous years Mm -hmm. where there are more stationary cameras from a higher point behind the greens getting really close and getting down was great gotta give them credit for that 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 gave it a nice aspect uh, up a level bonus points for that Lost points in other areas. Yeah. What would you say overall the pack the presentation package? Let's let's not, let's okay. Hard question, right? Remove the Sky Sports commentary team out of it, like the one because there's a you know Monty would just driving everybody well, nuts. No, I'll tell you exactly the problem I have with the coverage. Um, 
is I cannot understand and it's not just the Masters it happens week in week out and at Podcast GTS today's a bit of a rant day for me at Podcast GTS mm. if people agree with me on this I don't get why they can't show golf shots in it's... order I also don't understand why they can't be showing golf shots pretty much live I was getting twi- I was getting stuff from the Masters app telling me Rory is finished level par Mm-hmm. And we still, they were still going, and we'll have to, you know, Rory is looking at the putt. No, he's not. He's finished that. Rory's still playing 16 he's, at that stage. He's finished no, he's the round. Gone. On he's the gone. App. I have yeah. No, well, like in fairness, it was he was on 18, and there was, it was the day it was um, Friday. Yeah. And he had that really tricky putt down the hill uh, for par after coming out of the trees. And uh, I turned to my wife and I said, "Oh, uh, he makes this." Mm. And she said, "How do you know?" I said, "I got. I just got a beep on my phone to say uh, Rory finishes round." Uh, and I knew I knew the score. I was like, it's ridiculous. "That's not live. That's that's no. delayed." There was balls on the the green, and it goes, "Oh, there's a ball on the green." Oh wait, hold on, there. Let me guess. That's Dustin Johnson's ball that's on the green because that's the playing partner he has. And you're sitting going, "I don't get this." Yeah. And that's that's the bit that really annoys but me. They do such they great show- things, but they do really frustrating I, things. And they, they, it's not like they're showing a thousand shots a day they're showing such a limited amount of shots how hard can it be to put them in bloody sequence like? oh yeah well sure after I assume this happens that happens that just show them in order it's not bloody hard well I'm I'm guessing and maybe it's just me but I'm guessing that Bernhard Langer has got lost somewhere around the third hole because yeah. I didn't see him again for the rest of Sunday into a port of cabin and you know couldn't get the latch open or something like oh, that he's gone like, you, I didn't see any of his and then when you do see random shots by random people you go this is going to go in you know, oh wait, this is this is about to. If it wasn't in the last five groups, and there was a random shot by Shane Lowry on sixteen, for instance, I, you know, yeah. I was like, this is either going gonna in or it's going close. And the thing, like, it's the same rant we've every week. It's like this: they tell the story in the US that they want to tell. Like, it's almost like they've pre-programmed who's going to win the Masters. Only this year, somebody threw a spanner in the works, and uh, the 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 hero that would the would be hero, world number one, didn't finish his part of the story. Uh, do you mean Jason Day or do you mean Jordan Speed? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Jason Day, the world number one. Yeah, uh, editing, didn't, editing didn't either. Yeah, sorry, so, I'm gonna have to edit that bit. Jo- um, so Jordan Speed, let's look at this before we get to Speed. Is there anything else you want to say about it? Because this is going to consume the rest of the conversation. And um, no, but I will talk about certain bits before we do that. I thought the the greatest hole in one ever by. Uh, was it Char- uh, Usaisen? I was Usaisen. about to say yeah. uh, Charles Schwartzel there. Uh, Usaisen was just brilliant. The only way that hole in one could have been better is if the other ball had got in too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially as he'd have had to have picked his back out and put it back in oh. spot. <laughs> but I just thought that was, you know, I like the fact that they did set the pins up on Sunday to really have people go for them and mm. really, you know. But um, no, I, I thought as a, as, a, as, a, as a major, I really enjoyed it. As a package, as coverage, ninety percent is there. Mm. Um, I just really find certain bits so frustrating when it Actually, comes to. Actually, while we're speaking of the coverage. coverage package, don't I thought it was brilliant, and I watched one of them. I think it was on Friday or Saturday. It's the um, the featured group coverage where you're following the whole way around. That's brilliant, absolutely brilliant, because you get to see all the shots. You get to see a full round. You get to see the context of a round. How it how it pans out for a player as they're going around. Even if it's a bad round, it's really fascinating to watch and I was very impressed about that aspect of it. You also see an awful lot of 
them looking at putts, you see a lot more detail than yeah. when they go off and they come back and they go off and they come back on mm-hmm. coverage. But I'm sorry, we have to talk about Jordan Spieth because I really like Jordan Spieth before this tournament and I actually think he's gone even further up in my estimations. Um, I just like this guy. I like his game. I like his attitude. I like his relationship he has with his caddy. Um, if Jordan Spieth wins every major between him and Rory for the rest of my life, I actually probably wouldn't mind too much because I just think there's something nice about him. I thought the way he handled himself at the end, I think I just, you don't look like you're agreeing with me on this, but I I just, I, I just found the way that he conducted himself in the manner he conducted himself. The fact that I thought his interview, I think they're, they're honest. They're straight down the line. And, um, I have to say, I just think he went up a notch or two in my estimation. I, I, I think he's the kind of guy who, you know, he'll he'll bounce back from this. I actually think he'll possibly do a kind of a Rory moment from kind of twenty eleven. Big disappointment now, and he'll go and win the next major. And um, it was boring as hell up until Sunday lunchtime because it was the Jordan Speed show. But I just I, like, and it, probably if he had won it. I might not say that he's gone up in my estimation, no. but I just I just thought that the way he handled I the media afterwards, I thought was was a real sign of a, a nice guy, a gent. I think um, I think he handled it pretty well in you know in terms of it was a gutting thing that happened to him, like horrible horrible things that happened to him. I thought he was a little bit spoiled when he was trying, a little spoiled bradish when he was trying to get an extra drop on fifteen. He was trying to manipulate the referee into giving him an extra drop because the ball finished in the cup between the fairway and the rough, he was like, what do you feel about whether my 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 follow-through will hit the drain? And there was no way in hell his follow-through was going to hit the drain. And he's asking a referee, a referee's opinion on how a professional's divot pattern is. I thought it was just was that, was a that piss the, take. Was that the, the bit where he said to the guy, um, I want to make sure that this is legal? Oh, he was trying to manipulate for another drop so he could get a drop away from where the ball was lying. He was... He wasn't trying to make sure it was a legal drop. That's no, no, he said, he said to the guy, oh, what I he want said, you to make sure that this listen, is Listen, what he said legal. and what he meant was very different things. He wanted another drop so the ball would not be resting between the rough and the fairway. There's every, there's no way he's not trying to get that. Yeah, That's it's a, funny, I watched that incident. I didn't get that from it, I oh, have to say. It's just come a, on. Well, no, so, well, sorry, come on. That, that was how I watched it. Okay, we have to do uh, a Twitter poll. Who, agree, like, who agrees? I think he was trying to get another drop for in by any means possible, so he could have a lie that wasn't up against that collar of rough. But he was always laying up, so I don't. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Where but he's I was still trying to get a cleaner contact. He's trying to get another drop just to get a cleaner lie. That's my opinion on it. And uh, I, I certainly. Was, I, I have to say, I it, if you had said that to me off air, I would have been looking at you. going, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, that's why I held it back. I still really yeah, don't I agree know, with I you. Thought, on it. I, I thought, but look, the thing is, the guy's in desperation mode at that stage. Because of all the crap that's happened beforehand. Um, His biggest mistake in this whole thing was, I don't understand. Let's talk about where this all blew up. Because ultimately it blew up on one hole and one hole only. And in fact, if he had taken a five or even, you know, if he had taken a five, I think this tournament would have been slightly different. He also would have had less pressure going down the last four or five holes Mm -hmm. where he had to chase it. Um, Why he went down away from the drop zone on 12. Oh no, let's reverse let's reverse back to 10 because that's where I think the pressure starts building on him. He gets to the back nine and he, at Augusta and he knows it's the back nine at Augusta. He makes doesn't hit a great tee shot. You know, leaves himself about 200 yards to the green. 
plonks it in the bunker, gets out, hits a bit of a heavy bunker shot, makes bogey. Okay, it's a, it's one bogey. It's isolated. Bang, he's blocked a tee shot on the next on the 11th. Nearly, you know, he arguably he should have made a par. He'd pretty much straight uphill, six-foot putt after a fantastic wedge shot, but misses that. Little bit more pressure applied. Gets to the 12th tee, like, it's the 12th. It's Augusta. It's Sunday. The pressure's kicking in. He knows he has to hit a draw, but he's fighting against not, you know, he's he's not, he didn't have his A game this week. We know that. No, no, we know that, but that just goes to show what other games other people brought with his, uh, yeah. until, until the 12th hole. This was a man who was coasting, you know, yeah, well, sorry, the back nine. He was coasting to a victory right here. We had been texting back and forth, and we both said, this is really flat. Oh, he was ruining um, the Masters as, as a spectacle because he was he went on that blitz on the front nine, but the pressure started He started the pressure started being applied to him from the 10th by making bogey on 10 and bogey on 11. He's now going to but 12. But it was pressure that he put, that, then it's pressure that he's put on himself. Because yeah. nobody else was putting pressure on him. Nobody, Danny Willow wasn't coming at him. Nobody was coming at him at but this it is, point. It's, it's, it's the pressure of history. It's the pressure of masters. It's the pressure of defending your title. It's going to be like, what, the, the youngest person in the modern era to win three majors. It's do, all do of you that think, building on him. Do you think that it was either that or he's gone, you know, he's, he's, he's gone five birdies, one bogey on the front nine. And... Do you think there was an element that he's coasting? Do you think there was an element of you know defensive that I don't need to go for this anymore? So I'm going to take the foot off a little bit, and then all of a sudden it's a bogey. Now you miss the par putt at eleven, it's a bogey. Mm -hmm. Now all of a sudden it's I got to get my shit together again, and then to put the foot back on the gas, it's harder to do it because the momentum is moving the wrong way because he's allowed the pressure to build himself by playing a defensive tenth, which resulted in a bogey. Bad tee shot on eleven. Whether he's trying to play it defensive or not, like it's it's a pretty wide tee shot on eleven. He hit a terrible one, put himself in trouble, gave himself a chance to make par. But that six footer comes with its own pressure because he knows if I miss this, I've made back to back bogeys. I'm letting the guys get a little closer to me, and he's going to one of the no- most notoriously difficult holes in major golf on a Sunday, the twelfth at Augusta, with all of the history that goes with it. This guy, he's a student of the game. He knows all this. It's sitting there in his head. He's not fully trusting the way he's hitting the ball all week long. And he stands there with indecision in his mind over what shot shape he's going to hit. He said he wanted to hit a draw, but at the last minute he decides to hit a fade. And I know that feeling. I did that in 15. Yeah. <laughs> it looked to me like he sat back a little bit just before he took the shot, which kind of led him to open up. And he hit that shot weak. But there's, there's a weak. compounding of issues here, though. Because... You know, even with the two bogeys starting the back nine mm-hmm. in a main corner, and it, look, we all know that this isn't an easy track of holes, so there's always going to be that bounce that goes the wrong way. But we've got a situation where, you know, he's still leading. Mm-hmm. It is a par three, albeit one of the most possibly difficult in terms of swirling wind and so on and so forth. He can and still make the, a double. Sunday. But the fact, and he said it himself post the round. The bit that I found incredible mm. was the choice to go down the the fairway mm-hmm. rather than into the drop zone, which I thought was odd for, for... Now, I know he obviously... And they said, this is really strange because I'm not sure his caddy has the, the yardage for this. No. You know, this is, this is a very odd decision. They didn't. He then, because of that, he clearly then has indecision in his head. Mm-hmm. He chunks it. Now, in fact... I think I, I, I was a Colin Montgomery that said, or actually it was Butch Harmon who went, actually it was so bad, it nearly didn't make the water. Oh, <laughs> you know, like that, yeah. that was like, his divot was flying further than the ball at one stage. Yeah. 
But I think it was the compounding of the mistake. The first one is a bad shot. Anybody can make mm-hmm. that. But a pro of his level, of his skill, I don't think anybody in the world was putting a euro on him putting another one in the water at that moment. Because you're thinking, he's going to go over the green. He's going to go into the back. He'd be his, I would have sworn he would have been more likely in the azaleas at the back yeah, than yeah. he was going to be in the water. That's true. Look, I... When this when it happened and I went in, I went well. When I saw that dropping where he was dropping, I was like, "What on earth is he doing there?" They'll never have a yardage. It looks like it's too short a shot. It's like a 75, 80 yard fiddly kind of shot. He's off a down slope. The grass is growing into him. He's going to have to use a highly lofted uh, club. He's asking himself to hit a really really tough shot in a in a situation that's become seriously pressurized after a couple of bogeys leading into the hole. I'm thinking, okay, he had the drop zone as a possibility. The drop zone's not an easy shot on 12. The shot there was play the tee shot again. But I'm... I'm well, I, yeah, I, yeah, think, I think, I think I you're think, probably possibly right to and play I think, again. Right, the fault of this entire situation is not Speeds. Speeds scrambled. That is caddy all day long should be gone. Uh, boss, that's way up the options here. Like He should be pushing that... Well, we don't know agenda. that didn't happen. Now, to be fair, we're speculating here a little bit. That he didn't he turn to. Well, yeah, huh, yeah, because, no, he, but because he should not allow the, ba- the his player man, to do that. The bag man will talk you through it. Yeah. But if the boss says we're going down thirteen, we're going down thirteen. Doesn't matter. You can you mm. can you can put your two cents back in and say, "Come and on, boss." True. I think maybe the drop zone is the player is, makes the decision. But, but you know, we don't know whether or not that conversation. They talk a hell of a lot. Yeah. As I watched them on the feature group. Uh, I think on Thursday. Bloody hell. Like like he talks Martin to the couple. golf ball, he talks to him, he talks to the grass, he talks to everybody. Yeah. But I just I, I'm not sure I do blame the caddy. I think uh, that I, totally I think that you one hundred percent blame caddy there in that situation. But you're that's on the basis you're assuming yeah. that they didn't have that conversation. If he's had that conversation and Jordan Speed says, No, 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 caddy, I'm going down thirteen, that's not the caddy's fault. Well no, that's fine. But like after Speed went there, he said the reason he went there is to get a better angle to the pin. Now, I understand that logic. He went over to that side of the fairway to get a yeah. better angle. He's not coming across the bunker then. He's going straight at it. He's got a little bailout right. And I, I understand that. But the going to a place where they're not quite sure of the yardage, you're just bringing in a, an in, a factor of indecision or not knowing something, and that makes you lack conviction in what you're doing and what you're attempting to do and hit a tough wedge shot. But that's the bit that was lacking. Is mm-hmm. conviction. Yeah. It was conviction. It was, again, it should have been a ball that went over the back. His next shot was the shot he should have hit. So when he dropped again from yeah, yeah. the same place, that's the, the shot bunker. he should have done the second time. Yeah. Which should have just been over the back, get up and down. You're still leading it. You're still in contention. You have a lot of holes. You've yeah, got two par fives. You've only made a double bogey. You've got, like, there's three par uh, birdie-ball holes coming back in. You've got the two par fives. Well, four, easy. Well, well, sorry, but we're looking at realistically... 13, 13 14 was playing short, so, and it ended in both. So 13, 14, 15, 16 are all very birdieable holes. But even if you take 14 out for the moment, yeah. you're, you're saying two par fives and the 16th. Yeah. There's three holes that in most Masters tournaments over four days you'd be expecting... I, I, I mean 16 really on Sunday rather than the other days. Because very feeds difficult into days. the corner, yeah. But like, there's two, three holes that you're looking at net kind of three birdies, three under coming out of those three mm-hmm. holes, whether you get an eagle, a birdie, or, you know, whatever way you work it. But the bottom line is that 
you know, he put himself under way too much pressure. Once that seven had happened, he has to have the perfect. Now, to be fair, he hit a stonk and drive on the next hole. Mm. Um, but it's it was an incredible moment. Whoever you blame for it, it was just, you know, I, I was sitting with head in hand. And the funny thing was afterwards, I still thought, actually, do you know what? I actually think he might still go on and, and, and actually put something like that together. Put the, the an eagle a birdie, an eagle, you know, that something amazing was well, going to happen. He birdied, and Walt he birdied Disney the didn't two par fives. Right. He birdied two par fives, left himself, in fair, like, credit to him, he had one of the toughest putts you can have on 16, this nasty slider down the hill, where I know they say you have to have your pace and your line right on a putt, but this is one that really, you're... It was a clutch putt back, mind you. Oh, yeah. But it's like, the tournament's over if he missed it. <laughs> that's true. Um... He gave himself an opportunity to. He got it, put himself in a position where to birdie two of the last three holes and par the other one. He's got a tie for the the minus five figure he probably had in his head at that stage. So um, he's got some fight back, some tenacity. I I think he got himself to get himself into the position where he was, um, you know, leading the tournament for three days. He did a hell of a lot of good breaks along the way. You know, for somebody who wasn't hitting the ball very well. He's he's some scrambler, like, and you have to give him credit for that. Uh, this is just gonna. I think this is something that young, you know, as a young person, you have to have a bad a bad thing happen to you to learn from it. He's gonna come out of this stronger, and I'd say the, uh, I'd say his, you know, Jason Day, Rory McIlroy are gonna be sitting there thinking this guy is a bit of a enigma. Like he's a phenomenal player. Now he's gone through something tough. He's going to learn from that and come back an even stronger player. And he's going to be even harder to beat for us. I, I, th- I, th- I think, look, he's gone 2-1-2. And yeah. I don't like. I agree with you. I don't think he was anywhere close to it, as good as he can. Oh, he, he was, he, he was 67 and he didn't break par for the rest of the, for the, rest of the tournament. But sure, he so, had phenomenal blocks going on with the driver and, and the irons. Like, the game was a mess. And to have his game in a mess and still have a chance to win the Masters with three doubles and a, was it, a quad on the card oh my god it, it, like. it says a lot about other players who didn't bring their A game that continued to be able to grind out you know I think again look Rory for another week mm-hmm. you know we, we talked about Rory last week about being able to keep a bad round off the card he wasn't able to do it on Saturday yeah um, which ultimately ended the, the chance and in fact I'm surprised well, sorry, I'm not surprised because the first tee shot on Sunday morning was so bad that I thought, nah, he's, he, if that had gone down the fairway, I think mm. you'd be in a position that you're kind of thinking, hmm. But the fact that he started so poorly on Sunday, it just it, it was a struggle for him. But it was a struggle that still finishes in a tie for top ten. Like it's 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 still a pretty good week if you. Well, we don't look at that's the difference. The scores R- we just Rory look at a top ten. Str- Rory struggles at. Uh, backdoor top 10 uh, speed struggle is a second with a chance to win the Masters and that's the difference at the moment uh, Rory's going to be good at uh, I don't know he, st- he just hasn't uh, just hasn't quite figured it out the best way to play Augusta you know, he, he need, I don't know whether he needs to throttle it back or it's a slightly different game plan needed anyway I, I, I think this is a step forward not a step back for him at, at the Masters I think um it will it will happen. I think it's unfortunate that the first major for him is the one that he needs to finish the Grand Slam. If he had the Masters and was looking for an Open Championship, I think it would be easier because he could play himself into yeah. the season. He goes to the first major with a lot of pressure because 
before he'd even finished, mm-hmm. they were talking, oh, well, it would be another 12 months before he's a chance of the slam. It wasn't he's got another three weeks before he has another chance of a major. It's, it's you know, this constant, yeah, it's, it's oh, well, we don't, give it, we don't care about the other three majors this year. We only care about whether he finishes the Grand Slam. Um, okay, a couple of other mentions about players down the stretch. Lee Westwood didn't <sighs> quite, like, put himself in a great position with that chip in on 15 and just, maybe he's just that little bit far behind Willis to actually to just get it done, you know. I I think I think that he is a player that very honestly came out afterwards and said, "I haven't played enough. I'm massively undercooked. There's clearly something going on off the course mm. that I certainly not bothered looking up uh, because it's not relevant for the podcast. Something's going on because he was pretty obvious and said it. I haven't practiced enough. I haven't played enough. There's a lot of stuff going on in my life, and really, you know, I want to play my way into the Ryder Cup. I don't want to be a pick." but I'm going to have to start getting my game in order and I'm going to have to get myself back in the range and back in competition. Incredible tight second. Mm-hmm. Um, I never felt overly convinced he was going to, no. to push on, if that makes sense. The, the guys that are like Dustin Johnson again, you know, I just found that really they, none of them, even when Jordan Spieth blew up, I never felt convinced that any of them were going to, to push on. Like I didn't no. get the impression that like... Do, like you're going in on was. Sunday and you know that you have to kind of put a big score and I didn't feel any of them necessarily... But like you have to like give credit... Like Casey in fairness had a great uh, five under but... Very good five under. You've got to give credit to Johnson. Like he did... He he got he got going. Like he had a double on the fifth and then he's made five birdies in between. Now his eagle attempt on eight was pathetic. Like it was... He left it short. For, it, was, it was an eight or ten footer. It was just so wafty. Like his putting is... Disastrous, but that, but they made that point. But Charman yeah. continuously made the point until Dustin Johnson mm-hmm. is able to get even a third of the skill that the top top guys in the game have, have with putter. their putter. Yeah. He's not going to win. He can do a lot from you know from tee to green, but on the green, yeah. he does not have the game at a major championship. And, look on, at, the, on the and the other thing is the situation where he had to stand up and be counted and hit a really good shot into seventeen. He hits an absolute lemon of a shot. So. There you go. He has an opportunity to get in there, apply, you know, and uh, he failed. It's uh, it's another it's another one down. I think that I I was texting um, Alan and Bobby um, on Sunday night, and Alan made a good point. He said that this could be the way that Dustin wins a major by kind of backing into it by posting a score early rather than being in one of the final groups of the max pressure applied. Um, it's got to be close enough to do that though. well yeah <laughs> and that's true um, there was a few so. other like another fantastic year from Matsuyama like he's just he loves this course clearly it's 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 going to be interesting to see if he can get over Justin Rose back to a bit of form which was good Matthew Fitzpatrick was very impressive led the greens in regulation for the week really good performance um, and he's young yeah. and he's, uh, he's, got, he's learning the, he's obviously learned the course pretty well at this stage so he, you could see him competing again in, the, in years to come. There's, there's other guys who, who this year have shown a lot of good form. Uh, Cabrera Bello, um, he he was there thereabouts. Um, I have to talk about DeChambeau. Like, mm-hmm. um, he turns pro this week for the RBC. Um, he's unique. You know, the flat cap is going to be, I think, something that's going to be his little trademark. But the, the, the irons... All different, you know, weights and lost. I think 
again I, standard I don't mean length to, shaft standard length shaft and I, I don't want to say that I, I just copy it saying everything Butch Harmon said but the very interesting thing that he said about Dijon is on hilly courses and lies like that those upright clubs are very very difficult when you're playing ball above with, your feet yeah, ball he said, like, feet. that's going to be the bit and that he just wonders whether or not somebody like Dijambo might benefit from kind of going, do you know what, I'm less about the science and I'm more about wanting to win tournaments and maybe going and looking at standard set of irons because of different courses need different tools. And well, he maybe he'll figure out something that... Maybe he'll figure out an adaption or two or uh, to, to cope with situations like that. But listen, this guy has serious game. Oh, I like his attitude. Does. I like his style. He, you know, no not sh- going to come out with a flat cap, flat cap next week. Or... Backwards, yeah. No shame. Backwards. Samuel no, L. Jackson. No shame. Exactly. <laughs> no, certainly no shame in having the 77 on Saturday when the conditions were so difficult. Like, I mean, we were saying there a few weeks ago about Willis that you know there's a chance he could win maybe uh, an Open Championship or U.S. Open because of tough, fast, firm, windy conditions. Well, that's what we had here in Augusta this week. Tough, fast, firm, windy conditions, and he stood up. You know, his game stood up to the test and was really, really impressive. I think the thing about Deschambeau is he's going to be one of those players that people are just going to enjoy yeah. watching. Yeah. And uh, I want to watch. He's him. a bit swashbuckling. Yeah. It's going to be a bit of a character. Interesting, he said in the Butler cabin. Uh, it's going to be a little different when there's money and you know checks on the Get line. Paycheck, yeah. So, uh, so we'll wait and see. Uh, I'm, I'm, look, I'm, looking for, I'm looking forward to um, ignoring that question. Go on, Henrik Stenson. Stenson. Oh, I don't know. Come on, two minutes of Henrik Stenson, and we're moving on to next week's competitions. Fix your putting. That's it. His putting was atrocious. He was near the bottom of the putting stats, and you I need... thought his wedge play was pretty poor too. Yeah, he chunked an awful lot. That's yeah, it does. Like that, he it, really did, and and I'm still starting to scratch my head, wondering could he have gotten his putt closer on that uh, on uh, the front nine on Sunday when he used the wedge to the back. No, he didn't hit a lot of wedges too well, no. to be honest. And the thing is, when you're not putting well, that puts pressure on your wedge game as well. That he knows he has to do well, and that there's it's it's kind of a, one thing applies to another. His putting was woeful. He needs to sort that out, or else he'll never, uh, he'll just never contend. Especially at Augusta, yeah, the putting needs to be on, and uh, his wasn't. Yeah. So um, the long game in general with him is never really an issue. Let's finish with um, Tom Watson, his last major, uh, well, last Masters major. Um, Andy and Woosnams. Andy and Woosnams. Um, a lot more coverage for uh, Tom Watson than there was for Ian Woosnam. Um Agenda the game. I think this has divided again you and I over the course of the weekend on the the, the course. Um, you still kind of look back at the Ryder Cup side of things. No, no, rather no, no, than, no, no, no. I thought we actually ended up quite in agreement. I said that the it took the, only eighteen holes. No, the personality <laughs> that came out in the Ryder Cup that led him to be, for want of a better word, an asshole, was an isolated thing. I think in general the guy seems throughout his career to have huge amount of fans and a lot of people saying good things about him. He seems like a lo- lovely guy and that maybe the Ryder Cup brought out that weird side of his character that's a, a, one, a one-off thing. So yeah, I, I, th- I, think, it's, uh, I think it, it was lovely to see it. Uh, I would have loved if he had held that putt on 18 just yeah. to, to finish with the birdie would have been. Come here, uh, quick mention to Larry Mize who made the cut. Yeah. Averaging, listen to, can I guess, come here, have a guess of how many yards he averaged off the tee for the first two rounds. Average? Average drive off the tee. 230. 228. Oh, I'm not too far. <laughs> Makes the cut in the Masters averaging 228 yards off the tee. Yeah, what nice. a hero. 
I, I think just about could probably manage that off the team. That's fantastic. Like now, got to be putting well around Augusta. Larry Mize did. Wiley old character knows the greens. Finished second in the putting stats for the week. Ah, you see, it's, it's so the more but, you play, the more you know. But two hundred rounds, I think. Uh, uh, Tom Watson claims he's played in in the uh, Augusta. Just give me one. And um, out of ten, I, I, I should probably okay. ask you this in, in in two ways. Pre the back nine on Sunday for Jordan Speed, what were you giving this Masters out of ten? About a three and a half. Or a and four. now, in terms of after the back nine, oh, what are you giving? It went up to about an eight and a half, nine maybe. In, in terms no, of it's as high as excitement, nine. yeah, no, it, it got because I guess it's because it's in contrast to what came before. It gets so it got, got so much better. I was um, I was working on a new system for our golfer of the year, just tweaking the points a bit. Um, you know, half doing that and half doing the Masters because it was bloody boring at that stage speed that made all the birdies and all of a sudden there's like you know murmurs and this and oh there's a bogey in for Jordan you know you hear Butch saying it and I kind of start looking up and he makes another bogey on 11 and by that stage I was like this is kind of getting exciting so I shut the laptop lid down and then the whole thing just blew up like it, it was uh, it w- they say it never starts until the back nine on Sunday so it's getting an eight and a half, maybe touching a nine at times in terms of what, what like how exciting it was. So, uh, how about you? Um, I am not going anywhere close to a nine. Okay. Um, because I even think that even when the blow up happened, yes, it was exciting. Yes, it 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 became more interesting. I I would have still liked to have seen three or four or five players trying, you know, battling it out. It became then just a Danny Willett show. It kind of was that was it. There wasn't an awful lot more going on. Nobody. There were other guys so, that had chances. They just didn't take them. There wasn't. I don't think there really was a huge amount. I, I, I think it was good. I enjoyed it. I don't think if if Jordan Spieth hadn't blown up on on twelve, I think we'd have been sitting here going, "I hope he injures himself for next season, just mainly on the basis that somebody else might win." Um, I think he'll be back. Like I think he's already what uh, six to one to win next year. It's probably pretty good odds. You should get on now. I think he could win four or five Masters. The guy just loves the place. Like I really genuinely think Jordan Smith. I'd like to. I'd like to. I'd like to follow him on his first time playing twelve again next time. Uh, right, it was, it was, it was, it's done and dusted. Um, Sorry if we didn't get to everybody's golfer talk about all the points, but we could do it for a couple of hours. But <clears throat> uh, people have lives to live, and uh, so uh, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, thank God it got exciting on Sunday because it would have been one of the worst ones ever. Like if it had gone the Jordan Speedway and he'd won by five or six again. Anyway, the important thing is we've had a big long debate. We've argued it out, and Jordan Speed is still a nice guy. Uh, next week, the LPGA returns, and the lot championship presented by Hershey, the chocolate makers, are out uh, over in Hawaii at playing the six thousand three hundred eighty-three yard par seventy-two. And uh, Si Young Kim defends the title she won with a hole-out eight-iron second shot from 154 yards on the first playoff hole against Inby Park from last year. I remember like it was yesterday. Barry, do you have the betting for this event? <coughs> I do. Uh, Lydia Coe's 9-4. Inby Park is 6-1. Inji Chun, 10-1, as is Lexi Thompson. Se Young Kim is 12-1. Hugh Ju Kim, 14-1. Suzanne Pedersen, 18-1. 
Brooke Henderson's 20 to 1, and the rest of the field are 25 to 1 and out. I have. I am not going to put a bet in this. I have not. Uh, no, looked I in depth at it. Did not do well last week when it came to the betting. Bank, so no, I did not. I did not. We are, we are not going to be. Do uh, not. Do not listen to us points. for now. And this week, the European Tour eventually returns after a very long hiatus um, at the Open de España, hosted by Sergio Garcia's foundation at uh, Valderrama in Spain. It's the 6,991-yard par 71. It hosted the Ryder Cup in 1997. And uh, I suppose, again, this is similar to kind of the Roy McIlroy Foundation. It's kind of co-sponsored. It's about Sergio. It's a a a brilliant way of pushing a national event, get a big national superstar to get it rowing behind it and pull big sponsors on board. We've seen the success it had for the Irish Open, and it's great to see it happening in Spain. So uh, it's a Robert Trent Jones uh, course, Barry, and and just for for people who obviously know what that means, but yeah, for people who don't, uh, let them know what that means. Narrow, undulating fairways, tiny, slopey greens uh, with bent grass, and they will be fast. It's a tricky course, and if the wind gets up, it can absolutely brutalize the guys. So. Uh, it's going to be a test regardless of, yeah, be a of what the weather's sore, like. Sore heads from last week playing. James Morrison defends the title he won at the uh, the Rail Golf Club in El Prat last year. Um, in relation to the betting on this, Barry, have, let's have a rundown with our usual bookmakers. We'll have, a, have an idea who's who's leading it. Sergio, uh, tournament favourite because he's the host now, well, because he's playing very well. Is six to one. Uh, Rafa Cabrera Bello is fourteen to one, playing phenomenal golf at the moment. Uh, Soren Kelson, who had a great week at the Masters, a brilliant player in the wind. That would have been a nice pick for a bet, actually. And well done to anybody who did pick him out last week. He's sixteen to one. Andy Sullivan's eighteen to one. Yo Slouten twenty to one. Martin Keimer twenty fives. Alejandro Canizares thirty threes. As is Jakob Van Zyl. Uh, Ross Fisher 35s as is Thomas Peters Chris Wood 40 Peter Hansen 40 Julian Kane 45 to 1 along with Peter Uline and the rest of the field are 55 to 1 and out um, I, I'm going to ask you are you having a bet or are you even looking at even if you did have a, a virtual 5 euros a virtual 5 euros left I don't have a very hug <laughs> um I don't know uh, who. Bu- 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 I don't know. Is, yeah, I don't know who uh, that is. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Are they are they good odds? Yeah, <laughs> they're they're twelve to one. Uh, Alexander Levy eighty to one. There you go. Right, rested, inspired by the Masters, can play in the wins. <laughs> so let's see what happens. Rested, inspired by the Masters, a tournament he didn't get to play. Yeah, I know. And um, uh, everyone gets inspired by the <laughs> Masters, even the pros. Come on. Well, hopefully, maybe he might tweet and tell us at Podcast GTS uh, what he thought out of 10. The Mr. Levy. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the PGA Tour has moved to the RBC Heritage. As we said earlier, it's DeChambeau's uh, first professional tournament. It's at Harbortown Golf Links, Hilton Head in South Carolina. Of course, the Barry I know you really like. 7,099 yard par 71. And uh, it's a Pete Dye course. And Jim <laughs> Furyk won last year. He won't be defending due to the wrist injury that kept him out of last week. But let's have a quick rundown again of what kind of course people should be expecting to see on their TVs. Yeah, it's real tight. 
So this had the shortest driving average on tour last year of 264 yards. So players are playing smart, have to play smart off the tee by three woods, hybrids. Is Henrik Stenson playing this week? <laughs> it's, it's, it's perfect for the man yeah, three who doesn't hit anything but a three wood. Exactly. Well, he hits a three wood a long, long way. It's uh, The greens are miniature. They're 3,700 square foot on average. The interesting thing about this is they've switched the grass on the course in the last year. So they've changed the greens to Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass. And then there's Celebration Bermuda grass throughout the rest of the uh, course. On So keep that in mind uh, when you're making a bet on players you know, who likes and doesn't like putting on Bermuda grass. Probably a good idea to switch over to uh, Steve Bamford's website, Golf systems.co.uk to, to get an idea of the breakdown of guys who do like it, who play well on those types Definitely. of grass. Now, there's a lot like Bermuda grass, that Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass doesn't have anywhere near as much grain as you know Bermuda grass of years gone by, but there still is an element of it involved. And look, I, this, this tournament, year in, year out, it's the same guys that like this course an awful lot, you know, or guys who are shorter hitters on tour will generally tend to kind of come to come into their element and enjoy this a lot more well, because it plays to their... Uh, well, it doesn't play to their strengths. It negates the, the strong, long hitters' strengths. It uh, levels the field a bit. It's a very interesting field in terms of the betting spread because you have Jason Day out on the cliff on his own at 11-2 to two, and then you're looking at Paul Casey, Brian Snedeker at 18s. Kucher and uh, twenty to one, Zach Johnson twenty two to one, uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick twenty five with Kevin Kisner. You've got Graham McDowell thirty to one, Bill Haas thirty three to one, Russell Knox thirty Russell Knox thirty five to one, Justin Thomas thirty five to one, Brandon Grace forty to one, Kevin Na. Like it's it, it really after Jason Day it really widens up a lot. And um, to give out a few others, Ian Poulter fifty five to one is there. Luke Donald fifty to one with Jason Duffner. Bryson DeChambeau sixty to one. Um, you know, would you get? Would you take twelve to one for him to finish in the top seven this week? They're paying fifth odds again. Yeah, paying fifth odds again. Oh, the top seven's okay. Mm. No, no, I won't. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine, and he pointed out a few years back. Uh, I backed Carl Peterson for this. He had a good week the week before at the the Shell Houston, missed the cut in the Masters, and came out and won this at good odds. And he spotted a guy who's following that exact trend is Russell Henley, who had a great week at the Shell Houston, missed the cut at the Masters, and comes out to here. And we know this guy can put can put really well, and uh, is not averse to putting on Bermuda green. So I'm going to be backing him this week. Fifty-five I, I, to one. I need to follow somebody else's calls on golfers to oh, back yeah. because mine are just terrible at the moment. So that's where I'm going. Right. Um, I love this course I really do I'm really looking forward to it I know I said that in the Good opening bit that yeah. you loved it uh, do you know what I Al- never I did not lie about that no you didn't at all do you know what Alan uh, who used to present on this show I do know him, you yes. do know him. just for people who oh, haven't they know yeah, him too. Okay, who <laughs> uh, featured as a guest on the 100th episode Alan said yeah I know Alan said right he would play if he had a choice between Harbour Town and Augusta he'd choose Harbour Town it's good. Like, I well, I'd say, uh, I'd say his brother Bobby would probably be all over Royal Melbourne. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I think uh, it's more obtainable. Let's put it that way as well. Ooh, that's true. Uh, I've told my wife that in uh, in for my fortieth birthday, she can uh, pay for me to go for the week of the Masters. I'm giving. Is she her let an, go. Well, 
Depends if she's listening because she's she started to listen to the podcast again. And uh, so Camilla, I'll jump on that grenade. So and, uh, oh no, she wants to go. Oh, um, no. So yeah, no, I'm really excited. Uh, so thanks a million. Uh, I'm looking forward to it in a couple of years uh, when I turn forty to get to go to the Masters. Um, look, I think it's it, this has been a very interesting week. Um, it, it's led to a lot of debate between you and me over the course of the last few days. Um, the ups and downs and otherwise. Game golf competition is still going on. Get involved in that. It will be until the end of the month, so loads of time to post around in there and get the tweet in and get your name in the hat for a chance to win the system. And it doesn't matter, good, bad or indifferent about the round. It's a bit of fun. It's about getting you involved, getting a bit of activity with us um, around the world. So just get in, get on, get you know a round set up and let us... Uh, let us see what happens. Um, everything else is on our Twitter account at Podcast GTS. Any emails is a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. And I suppose congratulations to Danny Willett and uh, the new Masters champion for 2016. We will talk to everybody next week. If you're playing golf, enjoy it. If you're not, sit back and watch the golf on TV. Bye-bye, huh? Well, you're fine. Bye-bye.